1: Welcome to another edition of Kyle Meredith with It's the interview series presented by WFPK at WFPK.org Consequence and the Consequence Podcast Network Thank you so much for making your way here Checking out this uh, series and this episode Uh, Please do hit the subscribe button I put out three brand new interviews every single week, so it's a great way to keep up with all of your favorite artists, discover some new ones, and know what's happening in the music world. Of course, you can do so at iTunes and Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Acast, Podchaser, YouTube for the video versions, or anywhere you get your podcasts from. I'm Kyle Meredith. Today, my guest, Jungle, going to be talking with Tom McFarlane about the brand new record, Loving in Stereo. It's the uh, British electronic duo's third studio album. And uh, Tom and I are going to talk about how uh, writing to a choir helps their songs become more inviting and encourages community, as he says. Their collaboration with hip-hop artist Baz and being influenced by The Strokes and Arcade Fire in the Younger Days, how that's led to uh, one of my favorite tracks on this album. Also notable for their music videos full of amazing choreography, Tom's also going to tell us uh, about how their visuals fit within their music, as well as why they choose to keep their faces out of their marketing, and remixing Brittany Howard's History Repeats for her Jamie Reimagined album. All that's in here and more. Let's do this discussing loving in stereo. It's Kyle Meredith with Jungle. Hey, Kyle. Loving the stereo. You did it again and again and again and you don't know that artists are going to be able to keep doing this, but here you are again. You put out one of the most feel-good records of the year and, and there's so much happening. Last time I know with the last record and last time we talked, there was sort of an, uh, of an I don't know what you'd say, an impetus for that album because you had moved to California and that sort of set in motion all, a lot of those songs. Do you have that singular moment that you can account for this time around?
2: I'm not necessarily sure because like I mean, we, were, we were only in LA for like three or four months on a holiday essentially last time. So we just basically just like went and like had a look at LA and realized it wasn't really for us essentially but um, wrote some songs out there which was great. Um, I guess like the impetus for this was like let's try and do the opposite of what we did on the second record in a way. Like the second record was felt quite slow to us. Obviously much more emotional i think we were obviously trying to connect with our individual stories at that moment in time as songwriters because that's what felt most like real and truthful to us but now we're just like we want the energy we want to be able to step on stage with a whole new load of songs in our back pocket that are going to just get people moving and get people having a good time um so i guess that was potentially an impetus you know what i mean that that sort of like urge to to give the fans something a little bit more spicy on a regular basis of the shows.
1: Well, I, I will say that like every track makes me want to go outside. Like as I was listening to it, that's that's the thought that I kept arriving back to. Like, like there's a lot of music that makes me want to, you know, move, feel good, all that. But these these specifically make me want to go outside.
2: But that's good. I think like sunshine, that sense of escapism. Obviously, like we're from the UK, right? Sun doesn't shine that much here um in fact it's absolutely pouring it down with rain right now as we speak and um yeah maybe like that whole like playing GTA 5 when we were making the first record like you know getting stoned kind of like falling into this world of like sunshine was something that felt quite natural and inherent to us as creative people because like yeah it's just something that we don't know And, and you know when you do get out to the west coast or you know you're on a beach in mexico and you're sort of there at sunset you're like this is what i was sort of trying to sonically imagine do you know what i mean And like when you get to go and experience it it's pretty neat
1: yeah for what it's worth it's a heavy downpour right now here in louisville too so (laughs) you know we're similar boats i guess but there is um there is a coherentness throughout this entire record so i don't know if you can you can again pinpoint this but is there a musical mood that you landed on because you know i've talked about you guys wanting to kind of go back to your roots but this doesn't sound exactly like the first record it definitely doesn't sound like the second record but there is sort of a of a through line sound that's going through this what what is that exactly
2: i think essentially what we've managed to do on this record is finally realize all the ideas we've got in our head in like hd because like the first record and the second record had like technical limitations that was our brains do you know what i mean like we're now we've been making records for nearly 10 years now as jungle and we just feel like we're so much more capable of like realizing our uh, realizing our ideas do you know what i mean so we've gone back to like the essence of like what we put into the songs in terms of what jungle is and what jungle should be which is just like straight up fun and good times and positive energy and, and positive messages that hopefully give people a chance to step out of the malaise of the the system do you know what i mean and and yeah i guess like we're now just on a level in terms of our production where where we can like realize it in full full color you know
1: i'll say that like beck is one of my all-time favorite artists this doesn't Mm -hmm. sound like a beck record but it sounds like you all are kind of Know, drinking from the same well if that if that makes sense like there's this sort of 70s soul afro centric thing happening i don't know if you can speak to that but that seems really prevalent w- within a lot of the like the bass work on here is so good all over this record
2: yeah yeah i think we actually kind of struck a little new groove um you know tracks like talk about it and fire um what you know about me they've all got this sort of syncopated energy that we've never really explored before because i think you know when you're in when you're sitting there living in your sort of like creative fear zone and you come across stuff like that in the past and you're lacking a bit of confidence as we used to um you'd be like oh it's a bit like rocky or punky or like people are going to think it's too this or too that or too motown or like people are going to judge us and actually it's like that's a sick rhythm so like why not put it on a record do you know what i mean like we're just in that place now where it's like there's no consequences to our actions in terms of our creativity like We don't sit there fearing other people's opinions. And I think when you're younger, you know, we started this as kids and we're we're definitely grown men now and you just like life's too short. to like to worry about what people think about you, man. And if you love the art that you're making in that moment, that's the most special. That's the most special part of this whole process.
1: I will say, you know, further on down that sound to the the choir, it really adds to it as well. Does that change how you write to a song when you're writing to a choir as a, as opposed to like a singular
2: voice? I think so. Well, like, well, yes and no because like we've always trying to sort of we've always tried to get that sort of group vocal sound. But obviously, when it was like the first record, it was just like me and Josh layering our vo- voices loads of times so and like trying to sing really high so that we could like hit those notes. Like, you know what I mean, in our heads, we were, we were trying to make like a Justin Timberlake record on that first album. <laughs> and, and now like we've just got the balls to like go out there and offer it to people and, and see how they express themselves on the tracks and yeah for sure it gives the mess- it gives like the the, the the mantras and the messages that we write and that we want like, give to like give to our audience I think it gives them more weight essentially because like a message coming from a singular place can can be divisive and sort of polarizing whereas I think when there's a big group of people behind it it becomes a much more Welcoming proposition. Do you know what I mean? I think people feel like they can be part of it now, rather than potentially, you know, that second record got very self indulgent in places, and that was just that was just where we were creatively. Do you know what I mean? I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna like apologize for that, but you know, we were writing love songs and breakup songs because that's what we were going through. And when we were making this record, we were just like happy and engaged and confident. And and I think now that the pandemic struck and kind of coming out of the other end of that it's now taken on this whole new relevance of like hope and like looking forward. And, and, I, and I think it's going to resonate with more people as a result of that.
1: I never thought about that. Just the fact that even having more voices makes it more welcoming.
2: And it's true. Like, well, it's like that community. I, I just think you feel like you're part of the community rather than sitting there listening to like two guys from London moan about something.
1: Yeah. Oh, so, so there is there there are singular vocal moments on here, and, and one of them is mm-hmm. a, a collaboration. How do you, is it bass bass? How do you say his name?
2: Uh, he he says bars, but obviously oh. we just say bass. Gotcha, bass.
1: <laughs> Like that's, that's a yeah, that's a new feel for you guys as well. I mean, what, we're talking like just basically uh, a straight-on hip hop track is mm-hmm. what's happening here. What went into that, and and I don't know, did it feel different to you as you were making it?
2: I mean, hip-hop's always been a huge part of what we do and what we love, what we listen to. I don't think any, I don't think you could ask really any like modern electronic producer if they haven't been influenced by Diller, do you know what I mean? Like, he was just all over the place when we were growing up. Um, the British hip-hop scene was huge in the early 2000s, mid-2000s as well. And so that's always been an ambition for us, do you know what I mean? I think, like, in our heads, we're, we're hip-hop producers <laughs> we've never produced hip-hop before and um yeah we just met him backstage at a festival in Coney Island and uh he was in London at the end of 2019 when we were doing the big session up in North London putting all the strings and the brass and the choirs on the tracks um and he was like yo do you want a drink I'm in London we were like well do you want to come to the studio man and like cut a track and he was like yeah sick um and it sort of happened in an evening, and. And I think those moments are really special. You, you can't really remember those moments um, other than remembering that it was fun and it felt easy and it was freeing and very liberating. And yeah, and I think like, ultimately, however, however the idea comes out, if it's a good idea, it's going to go on the record. You know, like I think, yeah, the fans will hear that there's something new and something different. But I think there are little splashes of that across this record. And that just shows that we're, we're really confident and that we believe in ourselves and, and we believe that our fans will get on board whichever direction we want to take them in.
1: Well, also compliments that it doesn't feel out of place on the album at all. Like, and I know, you know, a lot of things go into that one. It still sounds like you all too, you know, the track listing and the placement and all that. But it just, it never, it doesn't feel like I'm in an intermission or anything. And and, and that goes the same way further on down with, uh, with Goodbye My Love, because mm-hmm. here you get another singular moment with a kind of a jazzy quality that, that goes along with that one. I mean uh, I'll just kind of generically give you the same platform here but that that still sounds like it was a fun one to make as well.
2: Yeah, and again another really short quick process. And I think probably like one of the better like songs on the record, you know what I mean? Like she's a great writer, Priya, um an amazing voice. She's Sri Lankan and uh emigrated to Switzerland, I guess when she was a kid. And so that blend of like Western and Eastern melodies um, and scales and tones, like you know, she grew up in a completely different like scale to what we think of as like music. Do you know what I mean? So like, when you blend that with what what you're doing, it naturally has this flavour that's just so rare and so unique. And, yeah, that track came together super quickly um, at the end of the day when when actually we'd been in the studio trying to make something for her record, and at the end of the day, we were just like, let's let's, let's try something else. Just we got we got another hour and a half studio time. Let's see what we can do. And again, yeah, just one of those magic moments where you're working with someone who's so inspiring and is obviously inspired by what, what you're doing as well on record. Um, it's just a match made in heaven.
1: And you said this one's mine. This one's not yours. This one's ours.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. For early on. <laughs> Very early on
1: in that process. Uh, while, we're, while we're talking about songs too, Truth, an absolute classic. Just mm-hmm. like, as we're talking about, you know, uh, electronic music and, and dance music and hip hop music. Like, this is a rock song. Like, this is, this is, it reminds me a little bit of Soundtrack of Our Lives, if you remember them at all. It's got that feel to it. I don't know why, but it, like, like, this is one I just want to hear a million times this year and not be tired of it. So, well, that's good.
2: That's a good sign. Um, yeah, Truth's really cool, man. Like, you know, some of it was written quite a long time ago, like 2018, when we were out in LA playing a show and we went to our friend Riley's place and he's got like a little studio in his garage in laurel canyon and we were just like we had a half day so we jumped in there and that's sort of where i think like the verse and the the bridge came and then jay put the the chorus down at some point last year and played it to me and i was like sweet that works and yeah man like we we grew up listening to the strokes um they're a huge influence you know arcade fire with that track month of may halfway through suburbs really like picks up picks your attention up and i think like again it's just one of those songs that was there and we couldn't ignore it and yeah we sort of half thought that it was going to piss some people off which I think is quite a good thing do you know what I mean like but we've always said like it's good to sort of feel a bit uncomfortable with what you're creating and what you're releasing because that means that that means you're really pushing your own limits and your own boundaries right and when you're creating something that's that's a really cool place to be but it's also scary and I think like kudos to both of us for having the the balls to sort of go. You know what? Like we can do something like this. Like jungle doesn't have to be defined by like a funky baseline or like something that feels like, you know, soul. Um, there are a lot of influences in, in in our lives and in our musical lives, and it's nice to be able to like express those in in our own way.
1: I love that you brought up Bowie, by the way, because usually when I do this, I've got two big Bowie posters behind me, and I think because of that, almost every artist feels like they need to bring Bowie into the to conversation. He's one of my all time favorite. I'm not even around these posters today and here he is back in the interview. So it's,
2: there you
1: go. <laughs> it's, it's fun. The visuals are also such a huge part of what you all do. The music videos are mesmerizing. I, I've probably text keep moving to a dozen of my friends. Is, is it, are you able to verbalize exactly how they tie into the album? I mean, are, do you see them as one complete piece or are they two parts of a, of a bigger picture?
2: that's a really hard hard question i think like ultimately what the visuals give you is another perspective on your song and you allow those performers those dancers those roller skaters those break dancers whoever it may be you ask them to like take your art and express it in their own way and that's like it takes on a new life for sure so they probably are separate things because they're they're like different stories being told right there's a story that's being interpreted and there's a story that's been like it's like a source and b source material right but i love that i love that i can sit there and watch my own music videos and and a not see myself like miming or being an idiot um and b like i learn more about my art and my music and that's like that's priceless man i don't think you can really get anything more like exciting and and fulfilling and like seeing that happen on a screen.
1: It, it adds that extra layer. I know this is nothing new. I mean, you're three albums into this, but not having your faces as the face of the group, like mystery is gone these days for the most part, but I can say yeah. that Jungle still has a lot of mystery in it. And I think, I I, I love that part of it too. I don't know, was that an actual conscious decision that you all made early on?
2: Yeah, I mean, yes and no, like, I think growing up, obviously we grew up in an age like a very tripo, like pre-digital age, right? So we still had like dial up internet, And the only thing I could find out about artists was by reading like magazines, like NME, Rolling Stone, um, Q, Word. And there was a sense that I didn't know everything about all the members of Kings of Leon. They just were like some cool dudes from from Tennessee who like wore like really cool t-shirts and like artists like Bowie, like you didn't know what he had for breakfast because he didn't have Instagram. Um, And I think that adds such a huge layer to the complexity of what, they do as artists um and that's lost now do you know what i mean like james blake's a really good example but like, absolutely love james blake but then as you as he becomes a little bit more like of a celeb do you know what i mean he you lose that sense of like there's no more questions to be answered and i think like what what we love is is allowing people the space to imagine and allowing the people the space to, to ask questions and not ha- necessarily have them answered because that's like really exciting feeling do you know what i mean it's that anxiety it's that anticipation it's that adrenaline that you get from not knowing something and we've sort of as a society forgotten that a little bit like we get everything we want right now if you've got enough money you know what i mean and it doesn't have to be like millions but like if you live in society today and you've got enough money you can get anything you want right now pretty much right and that's 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 sad i think
1: there's also a nice tradition of it and I know I'm flipping around on, on exactly how we're talking about this too, but, but even within the, the, the heritage, you know, of jungle and, and I'm talking about, you know, like electronic duos to this day, I probably don't know what the chemical brothers look like. And it doesn't, I mean, I love the music, you know, it's, it's like that. It doesn't, it doesn't stop me from loving it. And maybe I even That's love true. it. true. Like, than
2: who, who, who is air? Do you know what I mean? Who are. Rights?
1: right. Who are 07? Exactly.
2: Like, you don't know. And, you know, Josh and I, obviously, we really appreciate that you've got to promote records, you've got to play live. There, there does have to come a point where, like, your faith becomes part of it. But as you get older, A, you kind of stop caring less about it. And, like, I think if we just maintain that, like, I think the, for us, like, the most important thing is the art. And if we can just, like, push that ahead of, our own personal stories, and our own egos, like that's, that'll be a really cool thing to be able to achieve.
1: But that is getting mixed into the live show. It's not just your face. Did I read it right that you are going to start in, or, or you're incorporating more of what we see in the music videos into the live show plans?
2: Um, there are definitely going to be some like vision elements on stage this time that we haven't used before. Um, I think it's a little bit far fetched to presume that we're going to suddenly like come out with like a Spice Girls style, like 20 dancers stage show. <laughs> As much as I'd love to, do you know what I mean? Like the budgets don't stretch that far, unfortunately. Um, but I think, you know, we'll pick key shows, maybe some festival slots that that are really special to potentially incorporate some dance because like, it's amazing. And actually we've had experiences of it before, like Glastonbury 2014, we got Bea Terra, who's the girl that breakdanced on the Platoon video. She came out and it was like just a real moment and very special for our fans, I guess. And, and for you as well, there's like an adrenaline rush. So yeah, I think like stuff like that will happen more and more as we get as we get more confident and and we sort of like realize that we can have a little bit more fun with it. Um, but yeah, there's definitely some new visual elements coming in.
1: My new wish list is for Jungle to produce a Spice Girls album. I think that just landed. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Maybe we'll do it's the musical. For, do you know what I mean?
1: It's good for everybody, right there. Uh, <laughs> I want to wrap up. Uh, speaking of uh, collaborations, too, um, you all are also part of Britney Howard's uh, Jamie Reimagined record uh remixing um um was it a uh, history right history yeah, repeats, history repeats yeah, right yeah. which uh was such an amazing song at the beginning uh, how did you approach that did you did you have a vision of what you wanted to do with it because i do love what you guys did with
2: that one not really um we had a new synth. we just bought our Moog one which is like the most recent all singing all dancing uh creation from Moog, who are obviously based in Asheville. and um yeah like we just got that synth we got sent the stems and It just had that, like, I just felt that in the guitar. You've got, like, the the strum at the beginning, which is obviously part of the original track. And I was like, what if we try and, like, replicate the sound of a strumming guitar with, like, loads of synths? Um, So that's essentially what we did. And then you just build the vocal in around it And when you're working with such amazing source material. I mean, it was really interesting because we were working on that track, um, you know, while all the Black Lives Matter stuff was going on. um, And it does make you think. you another perspective listening to you know, other people's stories and other people's, you know, the truth of other people's lives in today's society. And it was a very humbling experience, I think, in general.
1: By the way, the the reimagined trend that's happening right now, it seems like a lot of artists are doing that. It's such a cool way to listen to a record and I don't know, to be a part of, like, there's one thing just to remix a track, but I think when you're talking about actually being part of a reimagined album, like, that's got to be a little bit different.
2: Yeah, for sure. It's like, it's not a singular right. It's part of a bigger picture, and and I think that was quite it was obviously an honour to be you know put on an album with you know amazing artists and producers as well. Like that was really special when we saw the final track listing. And yeah, I think like it's just nice that we can all come together in our own ways and like contribute to, to uplifting Britney's art because it is amazing. And you know, from Alabama Shakes onwards, she's had an amazing career as a songwriter, and long may it continue.
1: Well, uh, I will say the same thing for you and Jungle. And this new record, uh, Loving the stereo, Man. Uh, seriously, I'm such a big fan of what you all do. Thank you so much for continuing to do it. And, uh, dude, Tom, thank you so much for taking the time to talk about it today. It's been fun catching up again.
2: Thanks very much, man. Take care of
1: yourself. So you want to be a rock and roll star? No? Well, how about a podcast star? Well, as it turns out, there's a new all-in-one platform just for you. It's called Anchor, and it's the easiest way to make a podcast. And check this out. It's free. Download the free Anchor app right now or go to anchor.fm to get started. So what are you waiting for? Podcast stardom is within your reach. Now, Tom and I spoke just back in uh, 2019. Uh, Actually, he was getting a tattoo uh, while on the phone with me. (laughs) <laughs> while the interview was going on. Uh, this is back when we were talking about their second album, Forever, and its ties to the romance and dark side of America uh, that we kind of hint at in this previous interview. So let's do this part two, Kyle Meredith with
3: Jungle. Hey, man, how are you doing?
1: I'm well, how are you?
3: Um, you've caught me in quite a weird situation. I'm in the middle of getting a tattoo at the moment, Oh, which is quite exciting.
1: <laughs> that's fun. I mean that's that's sort of fun for me. I don't know if that's going to be fun for you, but uh but I suppose we'll see. <laughs> Oh, wait, wait. Can can I ask a few a few things about that? Like, what are you getting and where?
3: Uh, I'm getting my first ever jungle tattoo, actually, as we speak.
1: Oh, so like of the
3: logo? No, no. Well, it's just I like just written It's like just in a kind of like prison style, just on my forearm. So yeah, it should be exciting. All right. I'm in Toronto right now, so.
1: Well, I appreciate you doing this, and uh, and and this should be interesting either way around it. So it's uh, it's good to talk to you.
3: <laughs> <laughs> Maybe it would be a nice distraction. <laughs>
1: Well, hey man! Congratulations on the on the forever record. It's really been a really fun listen, uh, and and all the success that's came along with this. This is a this is great for you all.
3: Thank you. Um, yeah, we're really excited. It's like it's, it's taken us by surprise really, which has been good.
1: I do it, you know. So we'll back up a little bit because you know before this record, and, and really, you know, at, at that first one. I mean, it all seemed to happen so fast during the first singles and albums. So with four years in between, I mean, was there a desire to to take stock, to take back the reins? I mean, did it ever feel out of control for you all?
3: I don't. I think because you're like in the middle of it, you, you don't really have the perspective. It's just this kind of like constant, like what's happening next, what's happening tomorrow, something new's coming, something else is happening. It doesn't. You don't really ever get a chance to like take stock of it. I guess in that sort of sense, if you know what I mean. But if you look, if I was looking back on the, the journey. Up until kind of the end of touring that first record, yeah, like if you look back now with that hindsight, it was a whirlwind and it was crazy. And I think all the things that happened to us were really yeah. wonderfully <laughs> unexpected in that way. Um, and so, you know, I think we took a little bit of time out at the end of that cycle just to kind of breathe a little bit and sort of go, wow like, what, what happened there? What was?" What went on? It was just pretty, pretty mad.
1: In that time, you know, you just rush away from the music industry altogether. You try, you try to live life like regular life.
3: Um, You try to. It's obviously very. It's quite difficult to to readjust. But I guess ultimately, you know, you got to have those experiences. I think that's what we kind of worked out was it was all very well coming straight back off the road and getting into the studio, but actually that gave you really nothing to, that gave you no experiences to kind of talk about, I guess. And so we just sort of went, okay, let's let's not do this for a little bit and and gain that sort of emotional material that helps us make this second record.
1: As I read, you know, two of the big parts of this record, one of those at least, is you moved to the U.S. and that ended up being sort of part of the writing. Uh, and if that's right... What drew you here? What made you want to come over here to live?
3: Well, I mean, uh, Jay fell in love with a girl from L.A., and so he moved over for, like, one the summer in, I guess, like, 2016. Uh, lived with her, and I came over, and I was in the studio with him a couple of times, and L.A. is a very romantic place for an English creative person, I think, which are kind of shown so much of it in in media, you know, music, film, music videos, uh, literature—it's a very you know, Hollywood is a very romantic place for anyone who's creative. You know, the sky is amazing. There are too many palm trees. It doesn't—it's make, it's like a bit of a joke. Um, so I think you're naturally drawn there because of those things. And and yeah, like America is just yeah, it's just fascinating. And it's been an absolute like privilege to be able to to come and um ah, sorry hang on <laughs> she's right. really getting going now. <laughs> <laughs> this is probably a new experience for you as well as it is. For
1: me. Oh, this is this is a lot of fun. I, I mean, all I can do is imagine what's happening to you, right? I, I have no tattoos. I have zero tattoos on my body. So, honestly, I, I don't even have a, a place of reference.
3: <laughs> only my, this is only my second ever
1: one. Here's the closest I can get. Me trying to figure out what it feels like to have a tattoo is you... Or, 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 you know, you and Jay thinking about what America is before you got here. That's I think that's – it's
3: just sort exactly. of a – Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> maybe I kind of get the drift. But, you know, it's – what a time to move to America because even with the romance of the West Coast and, and the actual weather that, you know, seems to constantly e- exist on that side of the country – You know, it Mm -hmm. it is political upheaval, you know, both in the U.K., but especially in in, in here as well. Uh, Did that play into it at all for you all? Were were you swept up into that side of things?
3: Obviously, we're very socially minded, socially conscious people. I think that just came from our upbringing in the U.K. and how diverse our culture is over there. So you think about it, you try not to let it bring you down. I mean, all the stuff that's going on with the U.K. and Europe at the moment is just... uh, it's not great. And you just got to kind of stay positive and keep making music because at the end of the day, there are, there are loads of people that still want to kind of have that connection with you. And you've got to sort of forget politics a little bit, I guess.
1: But at the same time, you, you are talking about some heavier themes. Um, you know, take that first single, Happy Man. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's a there's a, a materialism mm-hmm. you know slant to that. And I think uh, I believe isolation is another theme, which... Is interestingly, time because the more and more I talk to artists, especially that are putting out music in the past year, that sort of rears its head a lot. Isolation comes through a lot. Like, I I know we're all weird bunches, you know, historically anyway, but it seems to be a a little bit more uh, at this time.
3: I mean, isolation is the worst possible scenario. Do you know what I mean? Everyone's got to stick together. That's kind of where where we come from.
1: But uh, Well, then, to go on to to the other side of that, I mean, and I don't know which one of you all, you know, sort of threw the words down on Happy Man here, but, you know, materialism being the other thing. There you are all on the West Coast, and I feel like it's a lesson we would have learned by now, but uh, (laughs) what was smacking you all in the face to kind of throw it down on the record?
3: I don't know. I think that song comes from a, 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 there's been a couple of different perspectives. I think there's also the, the whole notion of that, you know, obviously male toxic masculinity is, is a big issue these days. And, and the whole idea of what it is to be a man and a good man, not necessarily in terms of, you know, wealth, it's in terms of actually like, you know, in terms of society and making sure that you're being a good person, not because of how society teaches you to be a good person, but, you know, doing it properly. And, and the whole materialism thing is, is difficult because, Obviously, America is sort of like the, the hotbed of capitalism and it is capitalism kind of defined and it's exciting to go and it's trying. I think for us, it was exciting to see if that was still kind of the case and if the American dream was still a reality. But, you know, even since we've been back on the tour in the US, you know, I've definitely noticed a lot more poverty, a lot more homelessness, even in, even on the West Coast. You know, you go to San Francisco and, and places on the West Coast like Santa Cruz and the problem's worse than ever. So it's sad, you know, but I think coming over and, and, and doing a bit of writing and some work out here before going back to the UK really gave us an even more perspective on that and kind of showed us that, you know, the world is, is still pretty broken and that and, and it's going to take a lot for, for us to fix it.
1: There, there there are moments on this record musically that I feel kind of match what you're saying there too because you know, take another track with house in l a you know you, it sounds feels like musically you all really got to stretch out on that one, but the way it all melts away in the end, I think it's one of my favorite moments on the record
3: yeah I think that song for us was a real kind of it was a redefining moment it was one of the first songs on the record that we finished that had that depth and that breadth of production, and we were like whoa we that was something that we didn't necessarily think that we'll, we were capable of, and that's a really nice moment in music or anything creative, is when you create something and you kind of stand back and you go, "Well, did I do that? Was that me?" And so that was a really fascinating experience. You know, we really enjoyed that.
1: I, I want to bring up the videos too because you know there's choreography in the videos, like last time. But I, I wonder, is there a? Would you say there's a style thread that runs throughout? I mean, something that maybe separates these from the first album?
3: Yeah, I think on the second record with the choreography, we tried to keep it more coming from the same place like even a lot of cast of characters the same um, trying to create a storyline that ran through the videos because obviously there's more of a storyline that runs through the record this time um, you know th- this album is definitely more about our emotions and our experiences and so just, we sort of wanted to characterize those in a more consistent way throughout the making of the videos and we used one, we used a choreographer for the same choreographer for one of the videos rather than different choreographers. And so, yeah, there are definitely some thematic things that run through the whole, the whole plot line. And I think that's something that we definitely sought out to achieve.
1: Now, now, as for you, when it comes to choreography, do you know the lexicon? Is that in your wheelhouse or do you have to give up a certain amount of uh, creative trust when talking to a choreographer about that?
3: A bit of both. I mean, interestingly, my mum's my a dance teacher, and so she, I, I danced when I was a kid, so I'm not like, I'm not an alien to it, but I mean, at the same time, you've got to trust your friends to do their job to better than you think <laughs> you're going to do it for them. And so, and that's part of a collective mentality. You know, we've got an amazingly talented group of people that we work with in, in all aspects of what we do, whether it's on stage or, with the artwork or the videos and so you just got to like do your thing and I think that's the great thing is to watch your song come to life in a way that you couldn't possibly have conceived
1: well some of my favorite videos out there right now i I just kind of get lost in them kind of watching them every time they're so impressive <laughs> Thank you yeah uh, <laughs> you also had a couple of songs recently on the uh, with the uh, the FIFA games how mm-hmm. I don't know has that been important to your career do you think that's added to a level of success?
3: I think so. I think any exposure is good exposure. Um, you know, that that's just one of the biggest selling game titles worldwide on a yearly basis. And so to have your music on there, I mean, A, we're massive soccer fans, like huge. So we played a game with like, you know, I I've got season tickets to my local team in the UK. So that's a bit of a it was a bit of a milestone in my head really. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, it's a huge exposure, and you, and you just notice that. You know, we met some uh, some really cool guys outside on one of our shows in Brooklyn last year, who had kind of found us through the game. They were like, "Yeah, we heard this on FIFA," and then we got like, really into the band. And they were and they were the kind of guys that we were, I wouldn't have expected to be into my kind of music. And and that was a really beautiful thing to show that there is a platform for you know people from all walks of life to listen to all different types of music and, and to get involved in it because there is so much choice out there. And it's it was just kind of. Crazy that these guys kind of picked us out of the bag and, and followed us from there
1: but those great moments that we have when uh you know the things you grew up worshiping to a point you're suddenly a part of in some degree i mean that's 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 got to be you know one of those great moments as you, as you say yeah it really is well uh Tom I, I really appreciate uh you know the conversation thanks again for uh for the music and everything and and for an album like forever which oh, which you, you got to put that pause in right forever it's it's almost like a toast
3: i guess a little bit yeah it just it, i think it just presents the word differently it, you know there's there's a variety of different meanings for us for the title but um <clears throat> i think yeah it has more emphasis yeah it's, it's a very special word well two couple of words for us i guess and it, it means a lot and you know we're really grateful that you know especially in america people have picked up the new album and, and really taken it under their wing and made it their own and we've seen that across the board you know playing live from, from coast to coast so i'm just really grateful that the american people are really digging it right now
1: absolutely so before i get out i obviously got to ask uh where are you on the tattoo i mean what progress have we made in this 14 minutes
3: well it was it was a it was a, it was a proper like prison style hick and poke. So it was all, all the all the main action was done during the first couple of questions. Actually, <laughs> <laughs> I can't wait to, to see it. You know, um, if you want, I'll, if you want, I'll send what well, I put it up on the Instagram, and, uh, and you can go you can go and take a look. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I, I mean, I have to now. I just. It's not like I can't. I was I was even a part of it, just a, just a half a little bit.
3: So, yeah. You were, you were a part of it. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you for joining me during this journey.
1: <laughs> Absolutely. Thanks for including me on the journey, too, Tom. It's been a pleasure talking to you today.
3: Thanks, man. Take care of yourself. All right. Take care. Bye. All right.
1: Bye. And again, my thanks, Tom McFarland. The brand new Jungle Record is called Loving in Stereo. Thanks to you again for checking out this episode. Please do hit the subscribe button so you can keep up with the whole series. A brand new interview every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Acast, Podchaser, NPR, YouTube for the video versions, or anywhere you like to get your podcasts from. Subscribe to Kyle Meredith With. After that, head over to WFPK.org, where I do a show Monday through Friday, 6 p.m. Eastern, an hour full of song premieres, music news, anniversary spins, bonus interviews, Monday through Friday. 6 p.m. Eastern, at wfpk.org. Consequence has your music and film news. You can find me on the social media spots as well. That's uh, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, all three of them, at Kyle Meredith. I do hope you like and follow along. That does it for another edition of Kyle Meredith. I'll see you next time. Consequence Podcast Network.
0: Oh,
2: that was you.
0: (laughs) It's easy to hear your favorite artist on WFPK from wherever you are. Listen on your smart speaker, live stream from our website at wfpk.org, from Louisville Public Media.